And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello, everyone. It is the Weighing In Podcast, but we are in single form edition today because my partner, the real punk Josh Thompson, has ditched me for the Bahamas. Which I cannot blame him because if you take a look at the picture that we're going to put up there for you, it looks pretty goddamn good. So he's on vacation. You got to give him this break. So you're stuck with me and podcast day, but we are going to go through a bunch of things happening in combat sports. We had Javante Davis taking on Mario Barrios. My God, what a fight. It was fantastic. They went after each other. Davis going up two weight classes. You got to admit. The tank looked good because he still brought power up. Even though in boxing, it's two weight classes, it would just be one weight class. Not even not even one weight class in MMA. So I can't give him all the credit, but no. It was really a fantastic performance by him. He did a great job. But before we get started, I want you to click on the link in the description for our Clips channel and subscribe to it. Make sure that you subscribe. Smash the like button right now to keep the shows coming because we are going to start putting on a new show on the clip channels as soon as the real punk gets his ass back from the Bahamas, which maybe he will never do. And we will just throw him to the side and never use his ass again, but click the bell to stay notified on when those shows are coming up. When we drop the shows, even this show, click that bell. We'll give you notifications when the new shows are coming out. That way you can be on top of it and ready to listen whenever you decide. So I hope you're enjoying the shows, and we are going to try to go through this without the horrible ideas and completely asinine opinions of Josh the Punk Thompson. No, I'm going to miss him. I can't I can't sit here and laugh now because he says something that just makes me go, are you kidding me? But I got podcast Dave. He's much more sensible. He's got that Scottish approach. So we're just going to go through some of the things that are happening right now in MMA. Podcast Dave, what do you have for us, baby? Well, we don't have any fights this weekend, so... I know, we are, dude, we are barren. We're like the desert all of a sudden. Nothing, no PFL, no one, no Bellator, no UFC, which is really surprising because they put on a damn show every week. They have so many fighters, they have to do it. That's good. It's good for the public, good for the fans, but nothing this week coming up. But they do have a... Maybe if Josh gets drunk enough, um, we'll see a fight online that way. (laughs) Well, we kind of had something Uh, like that happen a little bit. Possibilities are endless. I could show you Josh Thompson fighting in an elevator recently, but, well, we won't do that. But, so, anyways, uh, we we don't have any fights, but we do have a huge show coming up with the UFC with Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. That is the big trilogy match. And I think it's kind of important. What do you think about it? Are you excited to see that, or do you not care? The Connor and Dustin fight? No, I'm talking about somebody else. Of course, the Connor and <laughs> Dustin fight. God damn it! Oh man, I I can't wait to be honest. I think uh, it's just one of those fights where it it was kind of like the. I mean, obviously not the same caliber, but kind of the same as like um, Uriah and Dominic Cruz at 199 for the title because <clears throat> uh, I think it, like you wanted to see Uriah 
Well, I did anyway because um, I used to go to his gym quite a lot. I wanted to see Uriah get that title after because um, he won it from Dom in WEC, right? And then Dom. Yeah, but Dom, Dom was so young years. back then. He made just a simple yeah. mistake. Um, and so from I just really like that trilogy fight where you're coming into it one and one, um, and then obviously Connor's get the the Nate fight potentially if if um, if you know with the same deal one and one if he if he depended on. I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen regardless, but. Um, but this fight's gonna be huge, man. I just, I think this fight has the, this fight definitely is gonna is gonna end <clears throat> with uh, some sort of uh, knockout or TKO. Yeah, um, I don't see it going the distance. Yeah, whereas like a DS fight, you could see it going the distance, like the last one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you go back and you look at the the difference between the two, I really, especially in the first fight, really thought that Connor played a beautiful role of getting Dustin upset he got in his head he made it to where dustin wanted to hurt him so bad when he stepped in that cage that he wasn't able to fight smart he wasn't able to do the right things he wanted to physically hurt connor and that's not that's not the way you go into a fight that's when you're you know in a little street fight you're mad you don't get mad when you step into the cage you fight smart you do the things that you train to do and you pull your opponent into your game you don't let him pull you into his and in that fight and also at the 145 i thought dustin was not the same fighter i thought he was losing too much weight at 145 pounds i think 155 pounds he has been probably the best 155 pound fighter for the last couple of years in the ufc because he has just he's gone through everyone take a look at the people that he's fought you know, it's amazing. You know, people don't remember. He actually fought Eddie Alvarez twice because one of them ended up as a uh, no contest based upon illegal blows, but he was winning that fight when he had that with Eddie. He beat Anthony Pettis. He beat Gaethje. I mean, and he beat Gaethje. Then he came back and he beat Alvarez again. He beat Max Holloway for the lightweight title since Max moved up to try to take it. His only loss was to Khabib, and you, you look and – he had Khabib in trouble at one point in that fight. That guillotine was tight. That's why you see Khabib flop to his side, and he does it twice, which is telling you that it was tight. You know, but no one beat Khabib, and, and he you know, lost that fight, but he came right back, and the fight that he had with Dan Hooker was amazing. He lost, in my opinion, he lost the first two rounds to Dan Hooker, but came back strong in the third, fourth, and fifth and put it on and just put on a masterful performance overall and then did the same thing with Connor again. And right now I would be shocked. You know, and it's possible because of Connor's name and his reputation, but I would be shocked if Connor was the favorite in this fight. I think Poirier's got to be the favorite in the fight. It's craziness, but it's going to be an interesting go. I'm really looking forward to it. Cannot wait. These are the ones where I do not even mind paying money to watch that fight. It's that good. And so if you are going to go, what, what is my bookie? Let's talk about my bookie right now because mybookie.com will have that fight. And right now, what are the odds? We have minus 120 for Dustin Poirier and a minus 110 for Conor McGregor, meaning that Dustin Poirier is a favorite by the skin of a lizard's ass. I mean, that is nothing. Basically, that's a toss-up fight, which... You know, I can understand why they have it that way. You're going to get a ton of people going towards uh, Connor. You're going to get people going towards Dustin. They have it at, let's see, 
The over is one and a half rounds, and that's minus hmm, one seventy. And then the under is under one and a half is at plus one forty. You got to figure the first fight, first round, second fight, second round, third fight. I'm going third round. <laughs> it's just got to work out that way. But if it is, then you'd want to go the over. But I think it's going to be a phenomenal matchup. You also have Gilbert Burns taking on Wonder Boy Stephen Thompson. I think that's a fascinating matchup because, look, Gilbert's stand-up has gotten really good, but it's nothing compared to the way that Wonder Boy does things. He's so hard for someone to get ready for, but Gilbert Burns did bring in Raymond Daniels. Raymond Daniels can emulate the type of style that Wonder Boy, you know, brings out so that's a it's a great person for Gilbert to at least get that feel and that look it's still going to be different with Wonder Boy but at least he's seeing someone that does things in a fashion the sideways in and out karate stance the way he lands things so it's going to be interesting if it hits the ground I don't see Wonder Boy surviving against Gilbert Gilbert is that good on the ground and there's nobody that, you know, Steven's been able to go against that you could say, well, look how he survived this. No one has the submission ability, uh, right, that's gotten to the ground with Steven Thompson. So that's a that's a great one right there. And that one right now, my bookie has got plus 130 for Gilbert Burns and a minus 160 for Steven Thompson, meaning Steven Thompson, pretty good favorite right now. That's, you know, you got to put down a $160 to win 100 bucks on him. But he's been looking pretty good recently. Age doesn't seem to affect him at all right now. I know you're not real old. I'm sorry, Stephen. You're phenomenal. But you have got a a big-time opponent in Gilbert. Dorino Burns. That's going to be a great fight. That that co-main and that main, those are awesome. That makes the whole card worthwhile. All right. Go ahead. What? Talk to me. Talk to me, Goose. Hop into some news. Let's talk about news. I know right. Derek Lewis is going to fight Cyril Gunn for the interim heavyweight title. Bellator just did an interim heavyweight title. It's the first one in their existence. This has got to be the 55th interim title for the UFC. They this, just pop those bad year. boys out. I know. And they just pop them out. It's like, oh, really? You know what? We're, boom. We're going to do an interim title. You know, and hey, that's fine. You know, I, it's, I find it. Uh, I, I see I see the back and forth between Dana and. Francis's manager and things like that. And you look and you go, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You know, it's, uh, there was obviously, Hey, they wanted him by a certain time. He said that he could be there and ready at a certain time. And then something was said, someone didn't read it the right way. And they, Oh, they, they're going to go with it. They're not, you know, but Dana again, going after a manager, how rare I've never seen this before. This is, this is an amazing thing. If for a guy that came up as a manager, because Dana was the manager of Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell, he hates managers. <laughs> he <laughs> just does not like them at all. Uh, so that's kind of funny. I love how he's, what, what do you say? The dude is so full of shit. Yeah, he said he, he knows exactly what's going on and isn't shocked at all. And he, he put shocked in quotes because this guy used shocked like five times in his in his first message to Dana. And we told him several times this was coming. His management is incompetent, and hopefully Francis starts taking a look at new people to help his career. Um, did you did you see what um 
what um what's his name markel martin was saying he was yeah um yeah i saw yeah yeah uh, he's he's it's kind of like got those joshua fabia vibes where he's like let's release everything emails calls texts everything and i was just like oh i got i got cringe man because it's kind of like those fabia vibes see you know it that sounds really good it does and there's times when it's really you know it's Brendan Schaub pulled off the greatest one ever with Dana. It was just the best. And it could, because, you know, back then Israel Adesanya was having fights and Brendan Schaub made a comment about something. And, you know, Dana basically came out saying, don't ever listen to him. He couldn't fight. He, you know, he got knocked out by everyone and all the stuff he said, which was wrong. You know, it was just wrong for Dana to say, but you know, the, the response by Brendan was great. And the last thing being, you know, this is not the way that Eskimo brothers act. And if you want to keep talking, go ahead. I will let everything out. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. I'm not going to say what it was, but you notice that Dana right away had no more comments for Brandon Shaw at that time because there was something really there. Well, you take a look at management-wise and what is done, you know, in getting a fight together and stuff and what is that. So, you know, that's, that's not for you to ever put out to the public it's just stupid it's stupid to say and it's stupid to put that out as a threat to dana and the ufc because look you know the the one person that's suffering in all of this is francis here's a guy that he went and he did everything he was supposed to do he fought his ass off he came up in the rankings he lost the title the first time in his first you know chance at getting it against Tipe. comes back wins all of his fights except for the Lewis fight, which was the worst fight ever. So him not fighting Derek Lewis really doesn't bother, even though I'm sure it would be a much better fight. But you go and you look and you say, man, he's done everything he's supposed to do. He goes back in there. He starches Stipe in a beautiful performance, does everything right. He will fight either Derek Lewis or Cyril Gaon. He has no problem in fighting either one. He knows them very, both very well, and he, you know, he would do well. You know, obviously anybody can win in a fight, but right now Francis is doing very well, and he's a scary dude based upon he can hit you with anything that he throws, and it can put you out. So you've got to be careful with him. But here's the guy, man, you know, he should be fighting. He should be making, this is his time to make big money. This is his time to actually put himself in a financial situation where he is set for life. And he's sitting on his ass or, well, he's, he's actually working out at the gym, but he's not getting ready for a fight that he should be getting ready for because he is the righteous heavyweight champion. And, you know, they can have the interim really doesn't matter because whoever wins it, Derek or Cyril, they're not considered the champion. The champion's sitting over there. It's Francis. So, you know, eventually they'll, they'll put those guys together, but it just puts the heavyweight title kind of in a position where it's, it's awkward and it's, it's kind of stifled and, and sitting there frozen for it's going to be, you know, once these guys fight at 265, then there's going to be a couple more months. So you're looking at six to eight to, to 10 months down the road for the real heavyweight title fight to take place. A little bit awkward. Um, you ready to hop over to the next one? Yeah, do it. All Let's right. go. <clears throat> so Sean O'Malley um, needs a new opponent for the for the um, UFC 264 and uh, July 10th. So his opponent, uh, Luis Smoker, fell off. Luis um, Smoker, yeah. And so Sean is a new opponent. Who do you think uh, is a good fit for that featherweight 
fight? Well, if you know, you look at Sean O'Malley's a talented guy. You know, people could not like him. Doesn't matter. He's talented. He's got a great ground game. He's got a good stand-up game. He's long. He actually has power. He, he is thin, but at 135, man, he's big as far as long for the division. Tall, got good range. He moves really well. But it was when they stepped him up into competition that is within that top 15 being, you know, Chito Vera, he wasn't able to perform well. He, he got taken out by a technique that he wasn't prepared for or something happened, and it really took him off of his game. And so the real question is, who do you put him against, you know, right now? Because he was going to fight Louis Smolka. Louis Smolka is not in the top 15. And you can you put him against, you know, like a Cody Stamen, who's somewhere around 14, 15? You could, but Cody Stamen has the ability to take him down. I'm not saying that he's going to submit um, Sean, but Sean's going to have to work from his back. He can do that, but that's the kind of fight that, you know, I'm looking in the top 15. I would say a Cody Stamen is the kind of guy that if I was the UFC and I was wanting to say this is a fight that Sean should do well in, obviously Cody can win it, Sean can win it, but, you know, if you get into that top 10, you know, you got Marab, I think, at number 10, you know, and... I hate saying Marab's last name. Devalashili. You know, he's phenomenal, though. And you talk about a gas tank, a guy that brings pressure, a guy that does, you know, great takedowns. He's a stud, you know. And so, okay, that's a guy probably right now I would say I don't want to put against Sean. And you got Dominic Cruz in there. Look, Dominic's got too much right now, just too much experience, too much knowledge. Probably not a great fight. Pedro Munoz would be another one. Oh, God damn, you know. Great ground, a lot of power in his hands, obviously shorter, so Sean has the advantage in length and reach, but can he keep Pedro off of him? Same thing when it comes to, you know, you know Marlon Marais or something like that. So it's in that weird position. They can get him another opponent. Do I think it's going to be an opponent in the top 15? I doubt it. I doubt it. Because I, I don't see any of those guys in the top 15 looking at, at Sean O'Malley right now going, that's going to do me good in taking that fight. And if I win it, that's going to really move me forward. You're already above him in the rankings. So why are you going to take that fight? I don't think, I don't think, uh, you know, they could definitely rematch him uh, for that show, but it's not going to be someone in the top 15. I would doubt it. So hopping over into our next piece, uh, there was a, this footage that came out um there was of somebody being filmed in a bar um and it it's kind of it's a strange looking you know piece, piece of footage because you just you know there's definitely a question behind why why was it being filmed or whatever but why uh, was it being filmed joe Schilling walks up and i'm going to play it right now um for you john but joe Schilling comes up behind this guy guy's kind of acting silly um seems to bump him and then it right here bumps him and then um and then, like, proceeds Whoa. to. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Crazy. God, I love you, Joe. You're a good man. You're a stud fighter. <laughs> you... All right, I'm going to give some background here so I can have some uh, context in the way I look at this. First off, Joe Schilling is my favorite kickboxing fight that I ever refereed. I've refereed quite a few kickboxing fights. Joe Schilling fought Marcus Simon. I want to say it was it was in glory it was at the la 
forum. I'm not sure if it was Glory 17, I think. But, man, what a fight. Marcus Simon at the time from Canada. Um, Marcus was 39-0-1 at the time of that fight. And Joe and him went at it. Joe won the first round, clearly wins it. He gets knocked down by Marcus in the second round, so he loses that round 10-8. Comes back in the third round, and he wins the round, which makes it a draw on all the scorecards, which in glory then says you go to a sudden victory round, meaning round four, and Joe Schilling was putting it on Marcus Simon. Marcus was spitting out his mouthpiece trying to get you know time. Finally, I took a point from him during the damn overtime but then he got knocked unconscious right at the end by Joe Schilling. Just an amazing fight. These guys were going after it. They were landing huge shots, big knees inside. Because, Glory, you have to understand, they don't want this clinch work. They want, if you're going to get in a clinch, you have to be busy right away and continuously throwing an offensive attack. Once that offensive attack slows down at all, they want the referee to come in, break them, separate them, and get the action going again. So it was a phenomenal fight. And so I love Joe Schilling as a fighter. I love him as a person. He's, he's a good guy, but he definitely is not someone you want to screw with. He doesn't play around. He doesn't have that, hey, it's okay attitude. In watching what I just saw, I'm going to say this. First off, I'm, I am questioning, why was uh, Mr. You know, shirt and Tie being filmed? And he looks like he's, look, he's inebriated. You can kind of see it just by the way he's going. But he moves into Joe. Now, that's not a reason for Joe to hit him. I'm not saying it is. But the the I guess this is a waiter in the black. He comes up, and that guy moves over towards him. And then Joe turns around, and you can see, and I'm not saying again, this is not the reason to do it. I have been in this same situation. I have done the exact same thing as Joe Schilling, and I can tell you it cost me a lot of money because <laughs> this guy's going to sue Joe. No doubt about it. And uh, this is the ones you just got to walk away. Yes, when he turns around, the guy does come towards him almost in an aggressive, you know, fashion as far as, you know, what or some kind of, you know, verbal confrontation. But he's not looking to throw blows with Joe. You, that, That's not what's there. Joe just decides, okay, I'll end this fast. Guy comes forward, he throws a right left, and the guy's out. And on the ground, and then just walks away. You know, he, he didn't. Thank God, he didn't jump on him and do any more damage. But you know, this is it's a it's a such a different world now, and this is part of what you know social media has done is people think that you know they can just do things, say things, and there will be no consequence to that action or that response that they gave. You know, oh, they're not going to hit me. There's people out there that will light your ass up, and Joe Schilling is one of them. And uh, I know I I heard about this, and that Joe said that the guy uh, uh, made threats against him. I don't know anything about those. I didn't see the. You know, I saw the. You know, he came forward, he said something. I don't know what he said. Only Joe knows that. But um, you know, this is not going to go well. As far as I don't see Joe going to jail for this. But there's two types of courts. There's criminal court and there's civil court. And I guarantee you, that dude 
is going to be getting a lawyer because they're all the lawyers are lining up as soon as they heard Joe Schilling fighter, they're lining up cause they're seeing money and, uh, they're going to, they're going to go after him and, you know, he, this guy's going to have irreparable harm damage for the rest of his life. All kinds of lies. You know, I'm not saying that the guy didn't get lit up. He did. Did he get knocked out? He got, could he have some type of injury? He could. I'm not saying he doesn't, but they're going to try to, you know, expound upon it and make it so much worse than anything that is actually there. And, uh, they're going to try to get money out of him. You know, I can, you know, I can just tell you, I've been there where, you know, close to the same situation, but the guy grabbed me and is pulling on my shirt. And so I did the same thing and kind of looked like the same result. And $250,000 is what I was sued for over that. So Joe's got a good one coming. It's coming. Trust me. Yeah. Sorry, brother. <laughs> it was a nice right hand, though. <laughs> Ooh, nasty. Wouldn't want to oh, yeah. bang into that in the bar. And That's what, this, Sometimes you just got to walk away. You, okay, all right, let's be honest. I know Michael Bisping just said he got punched in New Orleans, right? And... uh he basically said, you know, the, I don't know the guy, he was taking a picture or something like that. Someone showed me and that he got punched by the guy. And, you know, he said that the punch was so soft that he just laughed at him and kind of walked away. But honestly, you know, unfortunately that's what you got to do, you know, and it's, you know, it's not that Michael Bisping can't fight. Obviously, you know, he would whoop whoever, you know, touched him. He'd whoop his ass, but Michael's got to do exactly what he did. Just, just walk away. It's not worth it. It's going to end up costing you a ton in lawyer fees. And I mean, lawyers, you know, they freaking they will get you. It's a matter of, you know, as long as that other person is dragging that thing out, you're paying your lawyer. And then it gets down to the point where they say, well, you know, it becomes this whole thing of, all right, yes, we can drag this out longer and you're going to win. But to drag it out that much longer, it's going to be another 50000 or 55000 another 70000 in lawyer fees, and they want $25,000. let us just pay them the 25000 And it's like, no, don't want to do it because I'm not paying that bastard. But this is what happens. And so I know that Michael uh, had the same type of thing, but he just walked away. And that's, unfortunately, if you're a fighter, don't fight on the streets for free. Get paid to fight. There you go. About enough. <laughs> um, this next story um, is Sarah Alper, who faced in the UFC, who put a video basically <clears throat> campaigning for um, support from fans, basically, because you know, she can't afford to get through a fight camp. Um, she's in the flyweight division of UFC. Um, yeah. She set up a GoFundMe, and um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those situations. Yeah, it's one of those situations that, you know, how many fighters go through exactly what Sarah Alper is going through is it's, it's tough when you're in that position because, and this is what, you know, here's where fans, you know, always talking about, you know, Dana White should be paying more and you know, this and that. And it's like, yeah, it would be nice, but Sarah Alper doesn't make the UFC any money because most people, not all, but most are not tuning in to watch her fight. They're not buying tickets to watch her fight. She's going to have to work her way by getting wins against good competition up to that point where then people want to pay money to see her fight. 
right now all the cards that she's on people are going to pay money to watch the other people in the upper echelon of that card fight that's what they're paying for and so that's where most of the money goes that's where the bigger payout's going to go and it, this this happens throughout fighting in all the different levels be it you know grassroots regional you know up through you know all the different ones of you know PFL Bellator UFC it's, we call it putting butts in seats you've got to be able to put butts in seats when you are the fighter that can put butts in seats promoters will notice that and they will pay you more because you make them more money they want you and that's what Sarah is trying to do is get to that point just right now she's finding it it's difficult to have a job and then go to training and all these things so you know, as far as her GoFundMe, hey, good idea. I see no problem with it. And for all the fans out there that, you know, are saying things all the time, hey, here's your chance to help a fighter. Whether you send her five bucks, send her five bucks, send her 10 bucks, send her 20 bucks, you're helping her out. You can almost feel like you're part of her, you know, whole thing as far as her trying to get to that point in the UFC where she can go for a title or something like that. It only takes you figure if, you know, a thousand people gave her five bucks. That's $5,000. That's going to get her through a lot. So hopefully, uh, hopefully she gets it. Sarah, I think I'll be giving you a little bit of money in your GoFundMe. It's just right. All right. What do you think? Do you think it's bad, Dave? Um, so I think it's great. Like I, th I honestly, I think GoFundMe is like, like private fundraising think... is the best way for people to get people to, you know, Ask for I have money for put help. more money out on GoFundMe pages for people that, you know, Josh had a couple of kids that were, you know, in his, uh, at his school and his, their parents died and stuff. So, man, pay him. I, I put more money out on GoFundMe charity stuff. That's the greatest thing ever because you get to pick and choose and it's going to what you feel. Hey, this person needs it. They deserve it. I love the GoFundMe stuff. My only challenge on this is that, you know, how... How are other fighters doing it? How are other fighters managing through the tough part of like training and not making money in the sport, um, and 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 you know doing whatever else they need to do, um, and like, I can kind of attribute it to you know the last six years I spent starting this thing out with Josh, you know, and like I made it work and and you know finally got to this point where you know now and uh, I'm able to do it at a high level. Um, oh, go ahead and, and say so, it. Go ahead and say it. You're you're welcome. No, but you know, okay, and ex it's exactly what you're talking about. You have to commit, and sometimes you're committing, knowing, hey man, I'm not going to make any money doing this, but I'm committing towards the day where it will, because this is where my passion lies. This is the direction that I want to go, and I think that's what you know she's doing is she's saying, look at this is where my passion lies, fighting is where my passion lies. I fight in the UFC. And right now, you know, I know her last fight, I think her last fight was against Jessica Rose Clark because I remember the fight. And Jessica Rose really put it on her. I, I want to say that was one there was, um, there was a little bit of controversy in it because there was a knee that was thrown by Jessica Rose. I think the, the referee at the time, Chris Tugnoni, thought it might have been illegal. They, they, they realized it wasn't. It landed to a legal area, but but um, in the fight, 
she was beat up or I think her nose was broken. Sarah's nose was broken and stuff. And so she was, you know, bleeding out of it and they ended up stopping it. And, uh, Jessica Rose got the, the win, which she deserved. And, um, but it was a tough fight, but you got to look and the way the pay structure in the UFC is you, you're getting that show money and you're getting win money. So I'm sure, you know, her show money might've been $8,000 or something like that. You know, it would have been 16,000 total if she got the win. And this is one of the things, you know, I say it all the time with fighters and I tell them, Hey, don't do this, you know, but fighters all the time. If you ask them if they're fighting in the UFC, Hey, what are you making for your fight? You know, Oh, $40,000. Okay. Well, what they're making is 20 and 20, but they've already mentally spent that money. They've already mentally said, I'm going to win. I'm going to get this money. So I'm getting $40,000 instead of, well, I've got a 20, 20. If I, you know, I get 20 to show and 20 more. If I win, they don't even look at it that way. They look at it like I'm going to win this. I'm getting $40,000. And then when they don't, then it's, you know, it's, there's a big bummer coming down. You know, you can look at Justin James who just, you know, had his fight against Charles Rosa and he bet his, basically bet his pay, bet his show money on himself to win. Now I don't have a problem with that. And I'll be honest. I thought he won the fight. I would have given him the fight, you know, watching it. Um, he lost, he lost one of the rounds. I can't remember which one it was, but they gave, you know, one of the judges gave all three to Charles Rosa. And it's like, are you high? He hurt Charles Rosa two times in the third round. It wasn't even close. Just because Rosa ends the fight on top. Sorry. Wrong. You got that wrong. Justin James, it was a close fight. I don't have a problem with Charles Rosa winning. But I don't have a problem with a fighter who bets on himself either. I think I, who, who else are you going to bet on? Bet on who you are. Bet on yourself. That's a good thing. And so... You know, this is that that was his way of basically, well, I'm going to I'm going to go fund me. I, mean, I may lose and I get nothing, but I, you know, I may win and I get more. So, you know, I, I look at what she's doing. Good for her. Good for trying. And, you know, for people out there, hey, five, ten bucks, man, send it to her. Ain't going to kill what? you. Good thing. One of the things Josh said in the last show was that, you know, I mean, you're up and coming. You should, uh, maybe you are Josh actually, but you said about, um, you know, you should be fighting as much as you possibly can um, while oh. you're up and coming. And, you know, looking at her frequency as well, it's once a year, the last five years. Um, and so for that, you know, that as well kind of, you know. Um, puts a, it, it puts a giant freaking anchor on your career. You know, yep. And there's, there's ones I can point out in the UFC. There's ones I can point out in Bellator. There's fighters. You look and you go, what are you thinking? What, this is your career. You only have so much time. You know, obviously there are fighters that have had long careers. All right. There's the guys that, you know, they went a long time and had a really long career and have made a ton of money. Good for them. But you can figure that the average career if you have a good career in the sport of MMA, you make 10 years, you've done something really well, you know? And when you're talking about 10 years, if you have 10 fights in 10 years, you obviously don't want to be a fighter. You know, you should be fighting as much and as often as possible to not only get more comfortable with the sport of fighting, because there's so much to learn in fighting. You think, you know, 
and you don't know until all of a sudden you do because someone is proving it to you in that cage. You've got a lot to learn, and there's a lot of little things that just doing it time after time, now it starts to slow down for you. The pressure starts to ease a little bit. Your ability to deal with that pressure and your heart rate and everything is not quite as bad as it was in those first three fights. Now in your next ones, it's a little bit better, and it's just a whole process of learning how to be a professional fighter. And if you're not fighting, you know, Brent Primus in the in Bellator, you talk about a guy that's a stud. Great freaking, you know, as far as his talent-wise, he's huge. He's got an unbelievable submission game. He can hit like a freaking mule hits, and he never fights. He fights at most once a year, and it's like he's had 11 fights. And the, I don't I, – what. Check his record. See when he first started because his last fight was, I know, in uh, Europe in 2020 against Chris Bumgard. What was his first fight? 2010. What year? Okay. 10 fights, 11 fights, 10 years. That's crazy. It's nuts. You cannot, you know, again, you only have so much time. And eventually, you know, we talk about riding up. And then you're gonna meet. You're gonna reach that crest, and it's gonna be down. And when you're going down, is usually not the way that you're gonna be making your most money. So use that time wisely. And as I see, you know, you pointed out, I didn't know that Sarah Alpert had, you know, been that infrequent. You gotta fight. Gotta fight. Yep. Amen to that. All right, I'll let you hop into um, my bookie, and then we'll get into the next topic. All right, for everybody out there, we already kind of talked about my bookie with the odds coming up on the Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor fight, but go to mybookie.ag, sign up with my bookie, and they're going to give you a little extra bonus if you use the promo code weighing in. Josh and I have a nice little package there for you so you can get a little bit of extra money in your account. That way you can use it either on one big fight or you can put a little bit on all of them so you can like stretch it out, little parlays, do the smart things with it. We'll see, you know, if you can win. Don't ever, if you come on and listen to the show, don't ever listen to Josh or listen to Josh and go the opposite way. That will get you the winner of the fight. So go to mybookie.ag, sign up. Again, use that promo code weighing in and the best of luck to all of you in doing so all right um our next piece so um so i put a poll on our youtube channel um asking you know who what division was uh were was a favorite um in mma right now and you know lightweight one which which i kind of expected but uh welterweight was pretty close was pretty close uh, second um but so so when I put out that poll, it was just to kind of see for uh, what I wanted to do in the show was like a little fantasy booking with you, um, and pick the top four uh, ranked lightweights in the UFC, the top four ranked lightweights uh, in Bellator, since they're the only two uh, leagues that have ranks, um, and kind of pit them to, against each other, um, and see uh, who kind of you would pick out as your number one. So. Uh, I randomized the fights, um, which you you can see on your screen. Uh, the fans can see it right there next to you on the screen as well. And uh, I want you to kind of go through each of these fights. We'll pick a winner, and then we'll move them on to the we'll move them on to the next one, and um, see who kind of see who you who you would pick out as like your top uh, contender amongst these eight. These eight. Well, you should have done this in the featherweight division because 
UFC is going to kill Bellator's lightweight. But we'll, let's see what we have. Let's do it. All Come right. on. So our first fight is... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get myself Gaethje. in trouble here. <laughs> first fight is Justin Gaethje versus Pachuki Pitbull. Oh, okay. And you know what? I like the matchup, though. I think that's a good matchup stylistically-wise. Patricky's got a lot of power. He likes to come forward in the stand-up. He likes to throw. Justin Gaethje loves to throw. The big difference here is would be, first off, Patricky is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but he doesn't use it. He very rarely goes for takedowns. Now, he did in his last fight against Peter Quilly, and it cost him because Peter Quilly hit him with elbows while... He was on top of Peter Quilly and it just sliced him up and the doctor ended up stopping and I didn't kind of agree with it, but it was a good cut on the up in the hairline. But Patricky, if he was a smart fighter and took Justin down in that fight, he would have a, ch- a chance against Justin. But I think he's he, his, uh, his cojones are too large and he would want to stand with Justin Gaethje and in the end, I believe Justin Gaethje would win that fight. I'd have to give it to Justin. He's just got uh, that that low leg kick that he has, the power in his hands, and just the volume that he brings. I'm got I got to give it to Justin Gaethje. All right, so we got Justin advancing there. So our next fight is Miles Jury versus Dustin Poirier. Oh my God! All right, you know I, I already said this one, so it's just just going to be the way it is. Miles Jury is a good fighter. He's a good fighter everywhere. He's got good stand-up. He slows fights down, though. He's the guy that wants to control fights and slow them down. He's not going to be able to do that with Dustin Poirier. Dustin, and like I said, Dustin Poirier right now is fighting as good as any lightweight fighter out there. Um, you know, Miles Jury just lost to Sidney Outlaw, and Sidney Outlaw dominated him as far as taking him down and controlling position. And finally, in the last bit, Miles Jury was going for trying to get out doing things to, you know, open up. And he ended up getting caught in the choke and uh, tapped out of it. Dustin Poirier wins this fight. Dustin Poirier is the best lightweight as far as what he's done in the last, you know, several years. Dustin Poirier is the guy. Dustin wins that fight. All right. Uh, Our third fight there would be Benil Dariush versus Yamauchi. Oh, that's a good matchup. Benil is, I love Benil. Benil, you know, I used to know, uh, Benil used to come to my gym a lot. He's um, he's really gotten very good everywhere. His stand-up has improved so much. He always had a ground game, always had a very technical submission game. Uh, wrestling was eh, so-so, you know, decent, could get it done, but not the greatest wrestler as far as all the different takedown. But really, you, you know, really got in on guys, got the fight to the ground, did reversals. His jujitsu is fantastic. And you look at what he's done in his last couple of fights. I mean, I am. How, what's his win streak at? Six, seven, eight, something seven. like that. Seven now. Yep. Jeez. I mean, you know, he's got. You know, I know he's got an armbar win against Drew Dober. Now, a lot of people don't give Drew Dober the credit that he deserves as a fighter. Now, and again, Drew, I think, is on a two-fight losing streak right now. But Drew Dober is physically strong. He hits like a truck. He's tough as hell, and so getting the submission on him is not easy. That says a lot right there. I know he's got the, he had the the bangers war against Drakkar Close, where it was fun. He he got hurt in that fight, but comes back and knocks Drakkar Close out 
was an awesome uh, display of heart by both guys. Uh, Scotty Hot Sauce Holtzman, I love the guy, lives here in Tennessee with me, but he he had no answers for anything that Benil did. And, uh, you know, his last fight was against Tony Ferguson, and let's be honest, you know, Benil dominated Tony in that fight. So, you know, Benil right now is, a, you know, the top of his game. Goichi is a different animal in that Goichi is the guy who doesn't try to take you down. He lets you. He lets you take him down, and he applies submissions. And he has applied a lot of them. And he is good. But I don't, although I do believe if it was a jujitsu match, I would give it to Goichi over Benil. But as a MMA fight with the stand-up that Benil brings along with the, uh, the ground game that he can implement as far as defensively against submissions and how good he is with that too. This is, it's going to go the distance, but I think in the end it would go to Benil. Got it. And then our last one is Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson. Well, that's an easy one because it's been fought a couple of times here. I'm going to say Benson Henderson wins. I got to put a Bellator guy. In there. No, <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, you look at it, and it's uh, the you know the truth of the matter is Michael Chandler and Benson Henderson have fought twice. I did the first fight as the referee. It was a close fight. Uh, Michael was dominating the first part of that fight, and then Benson was coming on. Benson had him hurt in the last part of that fight. He was beating him up. If it went into the sixth round, Michael Chandler was going to lose that fight. But we don't go six rounds, and so Michael got a split decision victory, I believe, against Benson. And in the yeah. second one, second one, uh, Chandler knocked Benson out. So to sit there and say Benson Henderson's going to win that fight, you just can't do it. He's lost twice. Now, could he beat Michael Chandler? Yeah, he could beat Michael Chandler. But you got to say, in looking at it and putting him together, Michael Chandler is the winner of that fight. All right, so then that brings us um, to the semifinals and uh, with Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. Well, you need to switch these up, man. See, because Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje have already fought, and I'm being honest, if they fought again, it's probably going to be the same outcome. Um, it's a tough fight for both. Justin's a stud. I love him. But like I said, right now, you know, if you're picking it over, you know, picking against Dustin in the in the lightweights right now, you're picking against the top dog. He's that good. You know, Oliveira is the champion. Uh he would be the one that you're looking and you say, okay, he's right there. But, you know, outside of that championship realm, it's Dustin Poirier. So I got to go with Dustin Poirier over Justin Gaethje. All right. So so then let's see oops, let's see what that does um, with this next fight. So Michael Chandler and Benio Dariush. That's actually a really good fight. But I've got to go with this. And, and I love Benio, like I said. But <sighs> Benio's power in his hands He's got, he's got good power, but he's going to have to keep Chandler on his back foot. He cannot let Chandler come forward. If he allows Chandler to control the space and distance in the stand-up, that leads to Chandler with his takedowns also. Uh, like I said, Benil is really good as far as his submission game. He's outstanding, but Chandler is, no one is submission-proof especially when you get into, you know, if you hurt him with a, 
a punch or something like that. You hurt him with a strike and then grab the neck or something. You can definitely put someone out. No one's been able to do it yet. Now, doesn't mean that Chandler's punch-proof. He's been absolutely put out of fights with punches, but I'm not sure that Benil is that pressure fighter that can put Chandler on his back foot. It gets to the ground. I see Chandler with having problems with Benil as far as Benil could throw up some submissions, but he's not going to catch Chandler. Chandler would be good at stopping all that. And in the end, I think it rides out into a decision victory for Chandler. All right. Well, then that gives you the final bout, um, which you know is one that we we might end up seeing. Uh, with yeah. Justin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. You know, and this is a, this would be a really good matchup. This would be outstanding because they both have their strengths. Um, again, you take a look. Michael Chandler fought Dan Hooker, and, it's, and you can't you know, you can't do the you know MMA math as far as who wins. You know, Dustin Poirier's got to win against Dan Hooker. Michael Chandler's got to win against Dan Hooker. It took Dustin five rounds and a decision to get it. It took Michael Chandler about a minute and a half to get it. So, you know, obviously, you know, there's differences in the way they can go about things at times. But I look at Dustin as a guy that can put Michael Chandler on his back foot. He can press him. He can cause problems because Dustin can accept damage and continue to go. Dustin now, you know, we talk about in, you know, that, that weight cut with going to 145. I think it depleted him so much that he wasn't able. When, when you deplete yourself from fluids, the cells, all of our cells are round. And when the cells, you know, dehydrate, especially when you're cutting that much weight, and Dustin's a big lightweight to make him at, at you know, featherweight, same as Connor is like crazy. And Connor used to, you know, cut so much ridiculous weight. But the cell itself, you know, when it when it starts to dehydrate, it gets all you know these bumps and you know flat parts and everything on it. And when you fill it back up, it doesn't automatically go back to being that nice smooth bubble. It still has those bumps and, and there's something about that and the way they flow and everything that you get hit, it can affect you in a much more severe fashion with that situation in your body than if you are hydrated. And I think that happened with Dustin. I think at lightweight, Dustin takes a good shot. He can take a shot and he can keep coming forward. I think he's smarter in how he takes the shot now. But when he does take a shot and he gets buzzed, you watch him. He circles out. He gets time. He gets into a clinch. He doesn't start setting his feet and throwing like he did in the past. Just a smarter fighter, a much more mature fighter. Uh, On the ground, Dustin's got great submissions. Dustin is good at going after the neck. He's got a really nasty guillotine choke. He's got a good Darce choke, but I don't think he's going to get Chandler in those positions. But I do think that in the end, I would say that Dustin Poirier would beat Michael Chandler, and I would say he would beat him inside of that five-round limit somewhere third to fourth round. I would give it to Dustin Poirier. He would be my winner of the tournament. Well, maybe next time we need to do, you know, who you have, Dustin against the Bellator champ and Dustin against the UFC champ and see how that would turn out. But, there you uh, go. Uh, since our fans always ask for these fantasy fights, I figured we had to put something together since, uh, you know, we didn't have top fights to talk about this week. Uh, let's let's put something together for the fans and talk about it. Uh, that was a good one. I kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, Even though I can't believe you got the you got the bantamweights and the featherweights. I love those. Or the light heavyweights. That would know. be another one to do it with. 
Uh, I was going to pick the division, but, you know, I left up to the fans, John. So, uh, but, you know, <laughs> maybe never we'll leave need... it to the fans, Dave. <laughs> never. Maybe no, we'll just, just need to go through, um, <laughs> we'll need to go through each division uh, the next time Josh Bale's on us, and then we'll just, <laughs> we'll just pull it that way. That's it. Um, speaking of the fans, we are going to jump into some fan Q&A. So, um, the first couple I've got up on screen here for you, but the rest I'm going to read from my phone. So, um, right. this first one comes from Maggie. And Maggie wants to know who wins in the potential Hello, matchup. Hello, Maggie. Uh, who wins in the potential matchup of Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, and what's next for whoever loses and wins that? Whoever loses and whoever wins that fight. I think that's a that would be the matchup that I would really say, man, that that that's a toss up fight. It really depends on who's able to establish where the fight's going to be. Just, like I said, Justin Gaethje's going to come forward and he's going to throw those low leg kicks. Michael Chandler has already been exposed as someone that has problems with low leg kicks. Uh, you go back to his Brent Primus fight. He had the, the nerve, the perennial nerve running down his leg. It went dead. His foot flopped. He couldn't keep his weight. It wasn't that he was hurt as far as, you know, meant, you know, his, his brain was all there, but his foot, he had no control over it. They ended up stopping the fight and he lost a championship based upon that. All about that low leg kick that we know, Justin Gaethje brings like a big dog. So Michael would have to figure out a way to be able to stop that low leg kick or nullify it in some fashion uh, right away because if he allows that to go on in the fight, it's going to change the course of the fight. Now, I will say this. you know, Both coming from a wrestling background, you're going to hear all kinds of things. At this point of their career, Michael is a way better wrestler than Justin Gaethje. He can take Gaethje down, and Gaethje's going to have a hard time in taking Chandler down. That doesn't mean that Gaethje can't take him down. He's just going to have to time it correctly. Similar, like Oliveira, you know, he went for the takedown. Now, now Chandler kind of gave it to him because he went for the guillotine, trying to lock it in, and then realized that that wasn't smart. But I look at the wrestling aspect; it goes to Chandler. He's the one that can take the fight down more readily than Justin Gaethje. So then it comes down to the ground battle, and there's no doubt in my mind who's better on the ground. Michael Chandler is better than Justin Gaethje overall on the ground. So I've got Justin Gaethje, who I think very similar in the stand-up as far as power and how they deliver things. I think Justin's got more volume than Michael. I think Michael may have a little bit more power, but the kicks that Justin Gaethje is able to bring forth in the fight, that's a huge factor in that matchup. And if Michael Chandler does not have an answer for that technique, he's going to have a very long and painful night against Justin Gaethje. Just the way I look at it. And then what goes on from there? Who the hell knows? We've got Charles Oliveira as champion. We've got Dustin Poirier possibly winning against McGregor or McGregor possibly winning against Poirier. I still think if, if uh, McGregor wins against Poirier, he would want to fight Oliveira, but he might go back to Diaz. You just never know what's happening anymore because it's not about in the UFC. And this is no disrespect to them at all. They have rankings, but they really don't go by them. They really don't care. They go by who they think is going to be, a money-making fight. And if you're going to look and say, what's the money-making fight? It's probably Conor McGregor against Diaz. Diaz is hot. People love Nathan 
Diaz. They freaking will pay to watch him, and that's not taking anything from Charles Oliveira. He's phenomenal, but he does not have the following of Nathan Diaz. And so if you're the UFC and you're saying, oh, we want to make more money, it's going to be McGregor against Diaz. And so, um, you know, our, I said earlier, our fans love these these fa- uh, these fantasy bookings. Uh, so we have another one from LA Sogata, and they ask, could a prime Fabricio Verdum beat current Francis Ngannou? Absolutely, if you could get the fight to the ground. In the stand-up? Fuck no. <laughs> Let's just be honest. You know, Fabricio never had the greatest ability to take a big shot. You can take a look at all the times that he's been put put out by guys, you know, starting like with Junior Dos Santos. Uh, he's even had him before that. But, I mean, he's so good on the ground and he could definitely catch Francis in a submission and and put Francis out. So, prime, when you're saying, you know, at the best he ever was, his stand-up, it was pretty good as far as he would throw a lot of knees, he would throw shots, but the power of, you know, it's so, it's one of those things to try to explain to someone. You know, you can get stung by a bee, and you go, damn, that freaking thing, that hurt. And then you get stung by some other type of wasp that is a monster and it not only hurts it burns and it continues to get worse and worse well that's what getting hit by francis Ngano is like it's something that as you it happens the first time you go oh my god and then you get hit the second time and it's even worse and you go oh my god and it stops everything that you're doing offensively because you don't want to be put back in that situation of being hit by the guy again He's a difference maker with the power. It's scary as far as what he can do. So I think in the end, that fight would go Francis Ngannou. Next question comes from Daniel Lopez, who asks, can wins that were overturned to no contest be turned back to wins in Nevada now that wheat is legalized? (laughs) I don't think so, no. You know, uh, and this is... You need to understand this about the Nevada State Athletic Commission and the state of Nevada. There's been a, there's been quite a few fights where I look and I go, that should be overturned. That should not be the way it, you know the the way that thing ended up. But there's this thing called gambling in Nevada, and to overturn something now all of a sudden brings into effect gambling things and stuff. That's why they don't like to over. They want to get it right. That's why the Nevada State Athletic Commission instituted what we call the RO. They instituted the instant replay official. And they have a person dedicated to being on the table, watching the fight, and able to communicate with the referee at certain junctions of the fight, has a light that they can turn on when they know, yes, this you need a review of this because this I saw something that happened that you didn't call. That's all part of Nevada coming in and putting that together because they don't want to overturn fights. Now, look, they, they've had fights that, let's be honest, Anthony Johnson lost to Kevin Burns. And, you know, Kevin Burns put his finger second knuckle deep into Anthony Johnson's eye. Now, the, the referee at the time thought it was a punch. He stops the fight. But it's clear what happened. It's on tape. You can see it. It should have been overturned by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. They never did. Again, 
There's that gambling aspect. It's a big part of the state. It's a big part of that city. And so they're not big into overturning anything. That's why they want to get it right on site in the instance and not have to worry about overturning something. There's an answer to that. Um, Our next question comes from Dan O, who asks, has Big John ever had an MMA fight sanctioned or non? (laughs) Non, yes. Sanctioned, no. You know, I, I started off with the Gracie's long ago and we, we would do a back then, you know, people would come into the Gracie studio and, uh, challenge them, but they, you know, they were always challenging the Gracie's and Horian very, very rarely put his brothers up against people. He would take a student and the student would actually fight. And if the person beat the student, then they, then they would think about putting a brother against him. So they did that kind of stuff. And you know, we did all kinds of fun stuff. It was fun. It was a blast. You know, the best part about those is they would tell you, you know, he would come up and say, you know, don't hurt him. You know, I want you to submit him, choke him, arm bar, don't hurt him. And then after, if you, if you won, they would say, okay, now do you believe? Right. And the person, you know, yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, he said, okay. And they would purposely ask him, you want to try again? And if the person said yes, they would come to you and say, hurt him, mount him, beat on him. (laughs) <laughs> they wanted him to pay a price for not believing the first time. It was one of the great things about him, but uh, it's all good. I was lucky enough, and I, I say it all the time. You know, did I want to fight in the U.S.? Yeah, I wanted to do it because I thought at the time that I, I could do well. Now looking back on it, you know, I would have been long gone out of you know out of the sport long ago. So what Horian Gracie gave me by making me a referee and what occurred through all of the years of doing that, you know, it changed my life. It, it, you know, it, it made me able to see things, do things, be part of things that I never ever would have been able to do otherwise. So it was other than my kids and my wife, it's the greatest gift that was ever given to me. So thank you again, Horia. Next question comes from Mike White, who asks, who's the next big thing since it seems Connor is gone if he loses again? <laughs> Connor is not gone if he loses again. Connor will come right back. I guarantee you, if Connor loses Dustin, Nate Diaz is the fight that he will do. So he's not gone. But, um, you know, there's so many big names out there. But you, you, you take a look at, you know, some of them, uh, you know, they're they're in the position of being champions. You know, Israel Adesanya is a big thing. You know, you take a look at the way he fights and stuff, and, you know, going up in weight, you know, and losing to Jan, there's, you know, there's nothing to feel bad about that. There's no, nothing that you can sit there and go, oh, look at that. See, he, no, man, he tried something. He That's a lot of weight difference. We're talking about 20 pounds. Okay, I kind of started off the show talking about Javonta Davis and going up two weight classes. That's eight pounds, two weight classes in boxing. It might've been more. It might've been nine pounds, but sometimes they're four pounds. Sometimes they're five pounds, but you know, he went from, I'm trying to think Javante was, I want to say the 130 pound champion or still is the 130 pound champion, you know, and then was the 135 pound champion and now is the 140. So that's 10 pounds. That's one weight class in MMA. And if you're looking at the difference between what Israel did and what, you know, going up to, that's a 20 pound. So that would be four weight classes, you know? And so, and that's taking nothing away from Tank. He did a great job, a remarkable uh, 
fight, man, brought power up to that. But when Israel is jumping up into that next level, we're talking a 20-pound difference. It's so hard to, you know, for people to understand what that weight does. But you know, you can go back and look at all these different times when weight was the key to a lot of people not fighting in MMA because they were a smaller guy and they said, I can't, I can't fight with those big guys because it's just too much weight. There's too much strength. There's too much for me to have to carry. It, I, you know, I can't do that. And so weight is always going to have a factor in it. So there's guys like, you know, Israel, Israel is special, you know, his ability, what he did in the, you know, the Vittori fight, he, he ate Vittori up in that fight for the most part. You know, not that Vittori didn't have his moments. He, he was fighting hard. He just didn't have the skill set to beat Israel, you know, on the feet. He tried taking him down. He couldn't keep him down. And, and all that is skill set that you look at and you go, man, it's been acquired by Izzy through hard work. So you've got guys like him. Then you've got guys like, you know, you know, Chemayev. He's there. Now, he's saying I'll fight anyone. He won't fight Luke Rockhold. Okay. <laughs> so... Saying that you'll fight anyone? Now, I'm not saying he's stupid. I'm saying he's being smart. And there's a point where, yeah, you might want to take on Luke Rockhold. But right now, that would be a dumb fight for him to take on because everywhere he's strong, Luke is strong. And there's some places where, trust me, Luke is better. And I can guarantee that Luke's better in some areas. Now, that, that doesn't mean that Cosmo might not be better in some areas too, but there's some people out there right now that are fighting that you know, they're really good. And A.J. McKee, you know, in Bellator. People, stand by. The guy is phenomenal. You know, undefeated at this point. When you're undefeated, you, you, you almost got that feeling like, even when things are going bad, that's all right. I'll, I'll make it out of it. I'll, I'll make this work. And that's A.J. McKee, and he's done that. You know, he's had times when, you know, I've known him since he was a little kid. And, you know, I'm always trying to tell him, hey, man, train. You know, be in the gym, and he is now. But there was a time when he thought it was going to be easy all the time. And so he was taking shortcuts, and he kind of almost paid for those shortcuts because fights that should not have been hard became hard, and he had to work. And so there's those guys out there. Are, you know, Amazov at 26-0 and with the best record in MMA. He's special. You know, all the people at AT&T ATT will tell you. I was going to say AT&T. It sounds like a telephone company. But... <laughs> All the people at ATT, you know, in Coconut Creek will all tell you, oh, my God, that dude, you know, he, he's unbelievable. And that's, they've got UFC fighters. They've got PFL fighters. They've got Bellator fighters. It doesn't matter who those fighters are signed with. It's just, if you put them against everybody in the, in the gym, uh-oh, he's, he's a problem for all of them. He's that good. So, they're, they're, the guys are there, and there's ones coming up. You know, there's ones that I think, you know, in the UFC, I thought, I think that they've pushed too fast, even though I think they're a really talented fighter. Guys like, you know, Edmund Shabazian, you know, he's a talented dude. I think that they've put him a little bit ahead of schedule and, uh, and it might be because of pay. I'm not sure because I don't know what Edmund's been, uh, getting paid, but they're putting him ahead of schedule as far as the talent that they're putting him up against. They need to back it off a little bit, let him get his confidence back, and then bring him back into the fold. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Next question comes from Joyce Neville, and Joyce asks, for Big John, if the UFC called you to ask you to do a huge fight like GSP versus Khabib, would you do it? 
Well, they, they did. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about it. They did. No, I would not do it. It's uh, I'm done. It's uh, it's it, I I look at that as it's. I know this sounds weird. I don't want to disrespect the sport in any way. I don't want to disrespect my employers in any way. I don't want to disrespect the fighters in any way. And I'm telling you, I don't want to disrespect the officials that are doing this job in any way. And and in a in a in my head may not be in anybody else's, but that would be disrespectful to the the Herb Deans, the Jason Herzogs, the Mark Goddards, you know, the Mike Beltrans out there, the guys that are doing it, you know, and, and look, I'm telling you right now, I talk to all of them. I help them all. You know, I'm still part of officiating in a big way, but it wouldn't be right for me to take that assignment because they deserve it. They're the ones working hard to be good at the job right now. I'm trying to be good at talking, even though I'm not that good at that, but I am, uh, I'm working at it. And so in my opinion, it would be disrespectful to take that. But John, wouldn't it be like if they're pulling out a GSP, right? They're pulling a legend out of, you know, they're pulling a legend out of the toy box. Well, they want to put a legend referee at the toy box. Like, isn't that kind of just like part of the whole kind of like circus act of it where they're pulling the legends out to like make it? Oh, make so it... I could be part of the circus act. Yeah. Well, okay, hold on. Cause that, that's Say the set, question that's one a... more time. You just said tie box. To- toy box, toy box. Like toys. Like toy, toy box. Okay. I thought you said yeah. tie. I was like, what the fuck is a tie box? I didn't know it was a tie boxing event. <laughs> no, I think you forgot your hearing aids. I, I probably need the 80 years of age even though i'm not no but that like that's part of like the selling the selling aspect of it right is like if you're selling like a big legends fight like i know khabib is kind of a legend at this point because he is retired and gsp is obviously a legend but like you're pulling a legend you're pulling all of the legends out right you're probably you're probably pulling the joe rogan for commentary and you're selling tickets for for all of that right because i want to hear joe rogan talk about the fight while john's refereeing while GSP and Khabib are going at it, like that's kind of like the allure, the allure, the allure, the allure, the allure. The allure. I got the it. Allure. Okay. You know what? I, w- I would uh, kind of go with you know my whole my first first thing would be no, you know. And if someone talked to me and and I would honestly go and talk to uh, the athletic commission there where it was going to take place and make sure that hey I'm not offending anybody and that and then I would talk to those guys. I would talk to them and say hey man, I'm going to ask you right now. You got a problem if I go and do this? Because I don't want him to have a problem. Just being that's just the way I am. That's the way I look at it. Uh, all right, but I like the way you brought there. that up, Dave. You're yeah, saying I all mean... the all the old farts <laughs> need to come out together. Got it? Yeah, exactly. Just in case one, you know, one of them isn't exciting enough. At least, like we know, we get big, <laughs> we get big John in there to fall on someone and uh, break someone's leg. That's it. Uh, all right, two questions left. This one comes from uh, Bill at Bill, and he asks, or they ask, uh, would Nemkov beat Yuri if they fought today? Would Nemkov beat Yuri if they fought today? Well, I don't know. You know, it's um definite. Pot- if you go back and you watch that fight, Nemkov was definitely beating Yuri in that fight. Now there was there was moments where Yuri had you know he did good but it was a 10 minute round and let's be honest Nemkov won eight minutes of it compared to Yuri winning we'll say two minutes of it something like that as I'm remembering back since it's been a long time but Nemkov was definitely winning you know the the round but he was a young fighter and he didn't know how to uh, pace himself he didn't know how to do a lot of the things that he does very well now so 
he wouldn't make those same mistakes. Now, Yuri is very much, you know, similar in that he's kind of a berserker. He does, he has a weird style, but he's that guy that makes you think, I can't hurt this guy. And it's one of the things I love about Yuri. And Yuri is fun to watch. So, you know, would I love to see that fight again? I would. I think it would be fun. I think Yuri is the guy that is going to give Blahovich trouble. Doesn't mean Blahovich can't get past him, but he's got to be smart in how to get past him, and he's got to be smart in how to deal with him. So uh, that's a fight either guy could win. It really is who fights the smart fight. If Nemkov fights smart, he's the technically better fighter. He's got big power. He's, dude, in, in seeing him last week, I'm just telling you right now, Nemkov is walking around with, you know, Valentin Moldovsky who is weighing in at 234 and fighting at heavyweight, and Nemkov made him look small. I'm just telling you, he was big. I was like, holy shit. You know, he just looked big. He's just maturing as an athlete, as a man, and he's just getting better because his confidence now is much higher. He knows how to fight. He knows how to turn it on. He knows when to back off and take a take a breath and relax. So... Uh, it would be a great fight. I, I would love to see it again. I just don't know if we ever will. All right. The last question comes from B. Luna, who asks, what's next for the featherweight division with Max injured, Rodriguez not fighting, and Zabit, Zabit not fighting? Yeah, I mean, it's a real question with Zabit and what's going to happen with uh, him right now. He's in that position of, uh, you know, supposedly there's a health issue involved with it i hope that's not true and i hope he's uh okay i know he's fallen out of uh the the ufc's rankings and stuff but he's still a just a phenomenal fighter you know his best friend is magomed magomedov uh who fights for bellator and so he's always in his corner and stuff and i see him it seems to be good but i don't know what's going on with him and uh uh in talking with some people out of their camp they're not sure what's really going on with him and if he's going to be fighting so we'd have to see uh with everything that's going on you know yair should have been fighting max that didn't happen uh you still got the brian ortega coming up against volkanovsky that's going to be a great fight once the uh the tough thing is over and they finally schedule him back but i think they just need to do one of two things take yair rodriguez and and rematch him with max when max is healthy or take Yair and put him against, like, Calvin Cater. I think that would be a great fight. Or you can even put him against, and, you know, a lot of people don't give Arnold Allen credit, but that dude's a stud. He's not flashy. He's not dynamic anywhere. He just beats everybody. And if you, you know, you take a look at his record and the list of people that he's gone through, he's special. And the last one I would tell you that I would really love to see and I don't think Yair wants to fight him. Is Giga, you know, Giga Chikadze, man, he's a stud in the stand-up. I first saw I first saw Giga fight when I was uh, refereeing in Glory. He was kickboxing. He was sharp. He was a sniper, and man, he has brought that skill set. Now he's got good defensive uh, wrestling ability. He understands how to control himself on the ground. He knows how to get up. He's going to be a handful for everyone there, and Yair would have his hands full. Not that Yair can't win. But, you know, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting... that the, the, the Bantamweights and the Featherweights are so stacked throughout. Even the top 15 
it's scary how good all those guys are. And, and not only in the UFC. The UFC's got just studs, 1 to 15, and so does Bellator. Bellator's, you know, their bantamweights right now, scary some of them. You know, you got Pettis, Archuleta, Mix, Magomed. You got Rafion Stotts and Magomed. Magomedov is fighting Rafion Stotts July 31st. That's going to be an incredible fight. You know, Josh Hill from Canada, you know, he just lost to Rafion Stotts, but that was his first loss in a while. But he's got, you know, I think his, his losses are to, uh, he's got two to Marlon Marais. He's got Rafion Stotts. He's got one more. I'm, I'm trying to remember what it is, but. You know, Jornel Lugo is coming up. There's so many good fighters. And then you got, you know, James Gallagher, who a lot of people don't like. I think he's phenomenal. He's fun. You know, he's got an attitude. He's the he's the the lighter weight Conor McGregor kind of, you know, attitude. But he's, he doesn't do it the same way. So uh, he's fun to watch. So all of them. You take a look at that. And then you go to the featherweights with Pitbull. Look, at Pitbull can fight with anyone. A.J. McKee can fight with anyone. Adam Bortz, J.J. Wilson, and and I hear the the man that's coming up. Look out, because Aaron Pico is on his way. Aaron Pico now knows how to fight, and Aaron Pico has skills. He is gonna be scary. So, all of them, you know, there's so many good bantamweights and featherweights out there. The UFC is stacked. Bellator is stacked. It would be interesting to have a cross, but that's not gonna happen. So you just take a look at you know. Who uh, like the UFC has? I'm telling you, you know, just uh, you know, Yair is good, but there's a lot of guys in that. You know, you could and you could take Yair and put him back against you know the zombie, because yeah, he he beat the zombie. He got him with that elbow in the fifth round, but he was losing that fight. Now he 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 fought a great fight. It was close, but he was losing it. And uh, there's just there's just great talent throughout that featherweight division in the UFC. All right, and that's going to wrap up for fan questions. All right, I got one that I got to talk about. Someone asked the question about mouthpiece with referees, so I will explain it to you. It, a long time ago, if you go back and you look, you would see when someone got knocked out, even me, my stupid self at the time, had no clue about you know the mouthpiece, and we would take out the mouthpiece from the fighter. And, and why did we do it? We did it based upon seeing somebody else do it. It's wrong. A mouthpiece is a fitted piece of equipment most of the time with fighters. They get a dentist, a dental, you know, implant, imprint, and it's locked onto them. It's a good piece of equipment. They fight with it. They, they, they train with it all the time. They are used to having it in their mouth, and if they get choked unconscious or if they get knocked unconscious and that mouthpiece is in place, no referee should ever be reaching in to remove that mouthpiece. The mouthpiece is not going to cause the fighter any trouble. It is wrong to reach in their mouth and try to pull that out. You're causing more damage by trying to pull it out than you are by leaving it in. It is fine if it's in. It's not going to obstruct anything. The only time you want to reach in and pull a mouthpiece out of a fighter who has been choked unconscious or is knocked out is if the mouthpiece has been dislodged from where it's supposed to be and is now going down the fighter's throat or is in his mouth obstructing his airway. That's when you should see a referee reach in and take it out. If you're seeing referees do that when it's up on their teeth, you know, just look at the TV and go, that dude's making a mistake right now. That's that's a fucking amateur. Boom, there you go. Now you know about mouthpieces. <laughs> well educated. 
well-educated. Well, I want to say thank you to everyone that is tuning in. Podcast Dave and I, we try to give you a little bit of information when it comes to the world of fighting, even without our partner, Josh the Punk Thompson. I don't know if we're going to ask him back. We'll have to think about it, Dave. You want him back, really? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll see. You know what? We're going to go on attitude. We're going to check out his attitude. If his attitude is right, maybe we'll let him back. If not, he's out. We're cutting him, stripping out the fat, getting rid of it. He's going to love that comment with the fat. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's gained like 40 pounds since you're talking. Oh, man, sitting in his little chair by the ocean. Josh, we hope you're having a good time. Enjoy your vacation. And to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in to the Weighing In Podcast. Be sure to pick up your t-shirt just like i have right here this is one of my favorites i love this shirt this is actually this is podcast dave right there so you can check out our shirts at prowrestlingtees.com they have a plethora of styles and colors for you we do have our independence day it is coming to an end you got to order that sucker fast to get the independence day it is our beautiful weighing in logo with a lot of red white and blue in there in the background Podcast Dave did a fantastic job in putting that thing together. Or you can go with one of our traditional ones, a black shirt with the black and white, some gray, some gray in there. As far as the shirts, you can do the Karate Kid, all of them. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com and put in the promo code and still to get 20% off on your order. And we thank you all who have been ordering and showing us your shirts. If you take a picture with the shirt, send it to us. We will thumbs up that sucker, give it a like, and put it on our social media. Well, some of us will. I don't follow us so bad, but if they send it to me, I'll do it. So we want to tell you thanks for uh, checking out ProWrestlingTees.com. Dave, you got anything else? That's it. We're gonna. Uh, I think we got Josh back on Saturday, and um, we'll be doing another he- fan question heavy show. Gotta be because we have no fights to talk about. No one's fighting. This is horrible, but all right. To everyone out there, thank you very much for tuning in. We hope you had fun with us, and we will see you.